grace and peace. My family loves puzzles. Each Thanksgiving or Christmas, my mom or one of my sisters will bring out a thousand piece puzzle for the four of us to work on. And usually the grandkids will come in, help us lose pieces, and our husbands will come in and like mess up the puzzle. But we'll be in our seat, and we'll have four different views while sorting, looking for the easiest pieces. In my family, it is all about finding the border pieces. To make the frame, to see how big the puzzle will be at the end. We sit around the table with the bright light shining down, sharing conversation and time with one another as the picture we're building together begins to emerge. We had sorted out the pieces by color or tried to find those pieces that stood out or were easy to identify as the major broad strokes of the picture. During this time together, we would get to the point of building on the puzzle that we would have to get up and move to a different chair for a new angle. This week's passages have been one of those times like puzzling where I had to get up to change seats. I was reminded of the well-intentioned loved one who would throw Bible passages like spears aimed at their perceived sin that we may or may not be guilty of. Unfortunately, these kinds of experiences can taint or cloud the message that Christ is communicating to us. However, God gives the opportunity each time we hear the reading on any given Sunday to move to a different chair to see them in a new way than before. As we begin to build this puzzle, we start with the Luke passage, where we are shown a shrewd manager who may or may not be facing the loss of his livelihood. Jesus does not tell us if the manager deserves it or not in the telling of the parable. The manager, hearing that he is about to be out on the street, wisely starts securing securing threads of the relationships with those he interacts with most. It seems in reading the passage that Jesus admires this shrewd manager, but like a puzzle, we switch how we're looking at it, focusing on what Jesus is sharing with the audience. He is wanting us to take notice and replicate the good qualities of the steward, to ultimately Use our worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. When your resources are gone, they will welcome you into eternal homes. So the idea we are given is supposed to inspire faithfulness with the little things. And if we're faithful with the little things, we'll be faithful when the big things come into play. We are called to be good stewards of the love freely given and seek to benefit the welfare of others. So this isn't a message meant to make us feel guilty with the view of the warning of serving the earthly master or having us questioning who our master is. This is a message about building sustainable relationships. Relationships we have with our loved ones, our resources, and all of creation. It is being a good steward of those things entrusted to us, our family, the place we call home, the place we worship, the land on which we live, and the city in which we dwell. It is allowing richer occurrences of experiencing God's love for us in the ways we reach beyond ourselves into the kingdom of God. 
Now moving to another angle of the puzzle we have been given, we see in Paul's first letter to Timothy, Paul encouraging us to pray for all people. Pray on their behalf, giving thanks for them, and interceding for them in your prayers. Paul goes deeper, encouraging us to pray for our leaders. I would go as far to say even those we don't agree with. I understand this is possibly one of the hardest things I ask of you today. God knows who is wiser than me that someday I will get where I can faithfully pray for those. Deeper still into the passage, we're given the view that it is through our relationship with Jesus that he reconciles our relationship with God and humanity. Through God's action of Jesus' incarnation, the human and divine were merged into one person, who is fully man and fully God. Because of this, we are reconciled through the God-man, Jesus. Paul is providing some big-time theology in this passage. And I have to excuse myself. I'm going to nerd out for a moment. And there is a difference between a nerd and a geek. A geek has an electrical engineering degree. I do not. Now, this passage is, is one of the passages used in the Fourth Church Council of 451. It was used to explain the mystery of who Christ was and is. Basically, what they said was that Christ is holy man and holy God, one person and in one intellect, and because he is, he can function as our mediator before God the Father. We're able to confess by the means of the Nicene and Apostle Creed. Okay, I'm done with that nerdy moment, who I never thought I would ever use outside of seminary. In the incarnation, God is pursuing us to save us in our humanity. Paul really puts a lot of pieces to the puzzle in our line of sight throughout this section from his letter to Timothy. We now get up from our chair once more and we view the writing of Amos, who thankfully was a simple shepherd, because it gives me hope. He doesn't have the complicated pieces for us to assemble in this puzzle. And to sidetrack once more, I love the commentary of this book, how it says he was a dresser of sycamore trees. I have no idea, and I can only imagine what that might mean for today. Um, his writing is a warning to the oppressors of the needy, saying, don't rob the poor by giving them less than full measure. We see that the abuses of the cheating and exploiting were really getting out of hand throughout the kingdom of Israel, sort of how it is getting out of hand during this day and age, where practices of dishonesty happening among humanity, not only here in the United States, but across the world. Amos is rightly upset because the people are abusing the poor. And he restated the promise given by God that the injustices are seen and they're not being overlooked. Now at this point in time, we have the opportunity to get up from our chair and look at this puzzle we've been building. We see the need to show God's love for creation by how we interact with it exampling God's love for those we come across. Not only those easy to love because they are similar to us, 
but those who are difficult to love because we think they are not. Going further, it is the relationships we have with others that we build that will sustain us when all might be lost. We see the connectedness and the impact our relationships we have with one another can serve us in our time of need if we come from a place of humility and a desire to cultivate relationships of service. Be the living example of the love of God poured out by the Holy Spirit living in and amongst us as we live fully into who we are and who we can become out in the world. Ultimately, God sees us. Value other human beings and value the relationships we create with others. Knowing that your job could be gone tomorrow or your house could be gone tomorrow, God willing that doesn't happen, but we don't know and we haven't been giving any promises. We're able to see the vibrant colors of this puzzle we've been given. God is showing us through the puzzle created in the lively colors of relationship through love, praying for all, grace, and justice. The pieces build a beautiful picture defining who we are and who we are to become by including and living them within the world we are privileged to be a part of. Amen.